Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa out on Long Island. We got a, a really cool show for everybody today. Special guest Lyle Richardson from Spectres Hockey is going to come on and join us. Start setting the table for the trade wins. Uh, there's already been a couple deals this week. One-for-one type deals. Uh, similar players kind of going either way maybe a shakeup um, just to see if those players can have a better result and a fresh start. We're going to go over those and, and look forward, get touch on Nylander and a bunch of other Bobrovsky, Panarin, all, all the guys that are rumored to be on the block. Uh, it's going to be a real good show. We're going to get into the golden Knights. This is do or die week. In my opinion for the Knights. we'll break that down and uh, see where they go from here. We'll be right back. All right, let's welcome in Chris from Long Island. Chris, good day to you, sir. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, Anytime we do our usual Saturday show, and for me it's 2 o'clock here Saturday afternoon in in, uh, the great state of New York, and anytime we do a show at that time and coming off uh, a Thursday night Islander win over the Rangers and a win where the Rangers didn't get even one single Point, I am going to be doing very well, very well, sir. So, how are you? Well, what if we come off uh, a night or a day where the Knights just laid an absolute egg? I'm not going to be doing so very well. Um, uh, you're you're on the other pers- end of the bridge. Right. Yeah, in my in my other my other team. Uh, Haglin looked pretty good with the Kings in his first first uh, game with them last night. The rookie goalie uh, came up big for the Kings, but uh, they've sure got a long way to go before they're relevant again this season. But uh, I digress. Uh, yeah, the Knights, my twenty points and twenty game theory. They kind of uh, they would have if they had beaten St. Louis last night, they would have had 19 and 20. They would have been getting a boost with Nate Schmidt coming back to the lineup tomorrow night. Um, they, they come off what may have been their most complete game of the season against the yep. ducks in a, in a five, nothing win. Secondary scoring was there. Um, flurry came up big, um, when he had to overall, a, a really nice effort against the ducks. And then, you know, if they if they win last night, it, they've got 19 points and they're right in the right in the thick, two points back of a playoff spot in the Pacific Division. And you know, they took an early lead, they got up one nothing, and then I Jake Allen turned into uh, Martin Brodeur, I think, uh, the love child of Brodeur got, and Dominic Hassett, you got, I believe. You, you got you got the good Jake Allen last night, not good for Vegas, but good for St. Louis. You got yeah. a good Jake Allen last night, which he which he shows 
time here and time there. It's just doing it consistently. Not too often. Not enough. Inconsistently. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it's a tough – I mean, but look, I mean, again, they're, they are as, as you know, 8-11-1 is not where they want to be. And uh, But having said that, it, it's not like they're buried in the division. This is a very big week uh, coming up. Um, you know, again, uh, you know, starting tomorrow. So starting tomorrow they have uh, five games in seven days. First all three division. on the road. All division, right? They go to Edmonton Sunday, Calgary Monday, Arizona Wednesday. And Arizona's been beating some people up in, in Arizona. And then they come home and play Calgary Friday and San Jose on Saturday. So it's not like anyone in the division is uh, – anyone from that list has been – uh, playing stellar themselves, but obviously I don't know the other team's schedule, but, uh, you know, five and seven, and also they just played two in the last three nights, so I think that's going to finish the stretch of seven and ten days. Look, if they can go Brutal. three and two or some sort of, three you know, and two whatever. Uh, they, you know, they, um, they need four wins. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it from being, you know, get a little bit closer to where they want to be. You know, this is a stretch where, uh, especially with the uh, with the five gamer starting on the road with three games in a row. You know, I don't want to see it. Uh, see this being a bad week. You know, I mean, it's still early in the year, but uh, you you know you it's... don't want to be behind the eight ball. And Eddie Olchuk, I was watching the Hawks St. Louis game, ironically, the the other night and. Uh, he was talking about, you know, teams being out of the playoff picture even at this point, and you say it's early. But, you know, one thing everyone has to realize is, the, you know, when you're trying to move up in the standings, you know, basically, roughly speak analysis, just don't have the time. But uh, I did a couple of years ago, and basically roughly one every three, one every three hockey games goes to the, to the overtime, which means basically it's a three-point game. And so even when teams lose, they still get, you know, Sometimes uh, they get half a loaf, so uh, you know makes it it makes it a little bit tricky to come back and, and bypass teams. But you know, hopefully you can get through this week, have it be a positive week, start to get people back. Patchetti is back. Obviously, Hala is month to month. That is not a term I've I don't think I've recalled hearing. I've heard day to day. I've heard week to week. You know, month to month. Did you see? Uh, the, uh, did you see the reports yesterday on Halla? I did not. No, no. What is now? Um, no, I did not. A- I ACL, ACL surgery out for the year. These are unconfirmed oh. reports um, from from the internet. But uh, usually, uh, the Twitter account VGK Ladies is is where I first saw it. But then it kind of gathered steam in a couple other places. Um, uh-huh. The Jesse Granger, who is a local media guy who is credentialed by the team, uh, stood by the month-to-month prognosis. But um, reports yesterday on Twitter uh, were an ACL surgery, and, and that's going to take him out for the rest of the year. Reports. Yeah, I don't understand this whole new wave of things going on in the league now with this. I get they want to keep certain things, you know, not show their total hand, but at the end of the day, uh, this not just goes for the Knights, it goes for any team. But if someone's got an injury and they're and they're done for the year, I mean, you know, you're not fooling anybody. I mean, just you know, just say you know, just get it out there. If that's the case, that low. I mean, they've had a number of injury blows to say the least. 
but you know, no one's going to. They say this in all sports. No one's going to feel sorry for you. You know. Nope. So uh, they they and they've been playing. You know, another thing, and he's been playing pretty good, but he's been playing flurry a lot. And now, you know, yeah. the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, they're not going to be able. You're going to wear flurry out, and not they're going to have to play Subban, who it's such a small sample size. I don't want to critique his performance. Obviously, he. You know, statistically, I think he was playing better last year, but it's such, I, I think he's only played in three or four games. Uh, so, but my point being is, five games in seven days, and Flurry's going to be in at least play. two. He's going to be in two. Yeah, he's got to be. At I mean, least I mean, Flurry yeah. just in, in Flurry, so he needs to come. Basically, everyone needs to step up. Like you know, uh, quietly, Cody Eakin has really stepped up for them uh, yeah. with secondary scoring. Uh, playing that's great. What, that's what happened. You need other people to step up, and this is uh, this is a difficult time for them. So uh, let me ask you this: uh, in, yeah. in 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 Chicago, down on the farm, you've got the first and second leading scorers in the entire AHL: Brooks Maychik, who's a winger, and Daniel Carr, who you signed from Montreal as a free agent, and he he's also a winger. At at what point do you do you? Uh, Bring one or both of them up and take a look. See if they can kickstart the offense. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're you know they're getting scouting reports, but just like every other team, uh, you know, each and every week after each and every game, they got their ear to the grindstone with their people in the AHL affiliates. They know what's going on. Uh, it's great to see you know certain guys statistically do well, but sometimes you know that doesn't tell the whole story of whether or not someone is NHL ready. But having said all that, so if they get the word, though, like uh, a case, in, I'll give you a case in point. Uh, the Islanders have been nicked on the bat on their bottom six forwards, and uh, although he didn't get he didn't get in the lineup the other night, they called up Michael Dolcole, who, uh, who was the fifth overall pick of the 2014 draft, who might finally be starting to be getting to getting it together. Um, and the only reason I bring that up is they because he had, didn't have a good camp, uh, you know, and but. He went down uh, to the AHL and he's been performing well. They got they got the word like yeah he's re- he he can play in the NHL right now, and so he got called up. Didn't dress the other night. I'm not sure if he'll dress tomorrow afternoon, but you know that's the key. You got to rely on your people and and basically see what where you're at with the people you have on your roster and who's not doing what. And if you get the word like yeah these guys are ready for uh, an opportunity. That's something definitely to consider. Now, do you want to do that and have these guys make their NHL de- debut during this this big week coming up versus someone who's more established? I don't know. Again, that's that's why George McPhee and the staff get paid the big bucks. So I, I think if this kind of trend continues with the big club, uh, you're gonna and those guys continue to perform well down there, I think you're gonna see them sooner rather than later. Well, Carr did play forty games, thirty-eight games with Montreal last year, so he had, he yeah. he wouldn't be okay. a, uh, a a newbie, as it right. were. Six six goals, ten assists right. last year. Um, I okay. don't. I, I'll I'll tell you the truth. I don't know much about Brooks Maycheck. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, right. But there's got to be a and point H. in time will help. when. Well, let's when, be honest. That that would be yeah. He'll yeah. Help. That'll, I think he's going to help. That's a big ad. A lot more than than people think. You're going to reslot your defense 
Um, your seventh and eighth defensemen aren't going to be your fifth and sixth defensemen. Um, you, you're going to go back to having deep, two defensive pairs that played together the bulk of last year. And, and more importantly, played with their forward core and, and know where they want the puck on breakouts, know where they're going to be in the defensive zone, where the quick little five-foot pass that hasn't been connecting and turning into neutralized neutral zone turnovers is are they're going to start being connected because you're going to have two defensive pairs that are that played 80 games with each other last year or so and know their forwards um he's going to help five on five he's going to help on the kill and he's going to definitely help on the power play but i don't know i don't know if that's enough well, uh, you know, every bit helps, right? We keep going back <laughs> yeah, to yeah. that. Uh, he, he had a good player. Uh, you know, I mentioned before about the other guys kind of picking it up, uh, getting more contributions up and down the lineup, all the little things. And uh, every bit helps. So this is, you know, it's a big – again, I don't want to uh, make it like it's do or die, but, you know, the three games under NHL 500, I mean, I you know, believe it or not – it's not easy. You go down to five or six games under 500. It, it's a long climb. It takes it takes a nice winning streak just to get to 500. And um, so they got they got a lot of work to do. Like I said, I think they're very fortunate that the rest of the teams in the division, no one's really running away with it, right? I mean, uh, uh, San Jose, who's who's not played really well themselves. Somehow is in first place, I believe, if I have that correct. And um, yes, um, you know, Vancouver's in second, and their game over uh, 500. So um, yeah, this is a this is a, this is a critical time, and you'd like to see uh, a bit of a not just uh, more consistent play, a bit more of a run. See, the road has not been too friendly for them. Uh, their road record, I don't think, is very good at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I know at home going into last night it wasn't bad. I think weren't they were they five one and were they five two and one going into last night's game at home? Maybe they were five one and two. I think, um, but anyway. I think that counts last night. Or no, no five five wins at home after the Ducks game. Right. So right. You're, yeah, you're right. So yeah. So like I said, it's a big week. I mean, it's amazing. I keep going back and thinking about it. Like last year. I kept thinking week after week, like, gee whiz, this, it, it, I don't remember us really having a bump in the road kind of, you know, show about them. Maybe there was one early on when they. Well, we had the goaltenders. Yeah. Yeah. The, but, the first know, they, road trip. Still, yeah, but they still were like decent. I had a decent. They had yeah. a good record at that point. You know what I mean? And even though well, they that were, road trip. If, yeah, they had the seven and one start, so they even the road right, trip right. wasn't had, great. Right. They they were still but right they, there. They were still fine. They were still fine, right? Yeah. Um yep. and then after that, I don't I don't think they had really like, oh boy, I'm a little worried here. I don't think there was a, you know, and, and then obviously the playoffs was the playoffs. So um so this kind of whole start this year uh, as it's built up, it's like I'm a little bit worried here. I think that's where we're at. I'm a little I bit agree. worried here. So I agree. So, Their uh, only four-game winning losing streak last year was to the Capitals in the final. Um, they haven't hit yeah. a four-game losing skid yet this year, but winning one and losing three is just about the same. 
and the, the interesting thing is, even though they're an expansion squad, when you look at their their roster, I mean, they're pretty set. I mean, it's not like, well, they have this guy, like last year, they had a couple people coming up on unrestricted free agency, so if if by the deadline, you know, they had a bad stretch and maybe they go in a different direction or what to do. You look at the team right now, from the definitely with all the recent signings going from the summer uh, until uh, recently last week, uh, you know, they're they're pretty much locked in with their goaltending, their top four defense, the top two lines. So, um, you know, that's from that aspect as well, uh, which I'm not saying is a bad thing, but it's not like, all right, well, let's uh, let's ship some people out from the deadline. That's not going to happen at all. So, um, yeah, uh, it's a big week. I don't know really what else to say at this point. Last night was kind of like you said, it was a disappointment coming off arguably their best game of the year. And St. Louis is no slouch. Let's be let's get that straight. Uh, they, their record isn't overall. They've been a disappointment themselves, a little bit better than the night. But uh, um, you know, that's there's no, you know, it's not, they didn't lose to Sisters of the Poor last night. Uh, but well, said go, that, going you, into the game, going better, into the game, better, St. Louis, St. Louis only had 15 points. The Knights had 17 points before last night's game. So, uh, very similar as far as as win loss production. Right, right. I think isn't St. Louis at 500 though now? Maybe they played a game or two less in Vegas. Yeah, they, they have three games. Months. They have three games in hand and seventeen. They're seven, seven, and oh. six. Okay, okay. So, yeah, we need the Knights to get rolling. So, uh, I guess uh, on that note, let's why don't we leapfrog and go around the league and a couple of teams. Three quick hits uh, in this section on teams we really haven't talked about a lot, who are off to really nice starts. Uh, you know, one is Minnesota. I mean, how about the Wild? Twelve, five, and two. Second place in the Central, 26 points, um, winning a lot of close games. You know, Granlin's been great. Parisi's been healthy, and he's been playing well. Dubnik has been Dubnik. I mean, also, you know, obviously that division is not an easy division to navigate through. You know, and as good as Nashville's been, you know, within within uh, earshot of them, ahead of the head of the Jets so far. I mean, so far, so good for the Wild. But I was just thinking, though, you know, being in second place in the Central or third place in the Central, uh, like if you're a team like Minnesota, um, I'm like, okay, so let's say they finish the season with whatever, 102, 103 points. They finish in the second or third slot in the Central. And what do you get as a reward? Well, they're going to either get – they'll probably get Winnipeg the first round of the playoffs was one of the best teams in the league. And if somehow, some way they got past them, they would play Nashville in the next round. So uh, they they have a, a, a tall hill to climb. Uh, and, you know, whether or not they're better than those teams, which I don't think they are, but they have plenty of time to prove us all wrong. But uh, Wild off to a good start. Yeah, well, look, Minnesota's – two points back at Toronto for the best record in the league uh, with a game in hand on Toronto and their second place in their own division. So <laughs> to your, to your point, we, we all knew the central was going to be good. Um, but I mean, they look over their shoulder and there's, there's Winnipeg with a game in hand on them. They're only two points back of Minnesota. And then Dallas is, uh, 
really playing good hockey too. And, and right now they're fourth in that division. Colorado had a smoking hot start. They've slipped to fifth, but still only had a good win the other night. Only, yeah, only, you know, they got 22 points as well. So, um, it, it's a meat grinder in the central division. So there may not be that, that first round reward you might be looking for. Um, if, if you do end up 105, 106 points or whatever, but yeah, for, for right now, um, Dubnik's been playing great. Keep keeping them in every single game. Um, so I guess you say kudos to Minnesota, but let's, let's hold off a little bit on, on where they might project towards the end of the season, because I think Winnipeg is going to be hitting their stride a little bit too. Dallas is going to be coming. Don't count out Colorado, but for the, for the 20 games, and you, you were saying it's early for the golden Knights. Well, a quarter of the season has been played, sir. I I'm, I'm out of the early mode. I'm into, uh, we're in the back. We're not in the back stretch quite yet, but we're rounding, we're rounding the far turn. Um, heading heading into the heading into the back stretch, their games games twenty through fifty, I'll say. Um, and I want to bring up a, a point that you indirectly just made in bringing up the Knights on how fortunate the Knights are. Again, where the Knights, how they their record, how they've been playing, the amount of points that they have. I mean, imagine if they were in the Central. Imagine if the Central was playing like the Pacific. Look at St. Louis, who's played a little bit better than the Knights. Not much, but a little bit better. A little bit Last better of a record. And, and right, they, well, yeah, they got they got a and they got a yeah, long, seven points out of look a at spot. the team. Right, look at the teams that they're going to have to climb, who have been at least pretty good. So then again, the Knights are are fortunate in in that regard. Uh, this is a team I think you maybe I'm wrong, so I'll take it back the compliment. And that's Buffalo, who I had. I was a doubting Thomas going to the the season eleven six and two, third in the Atlantic. Um, you know, look, I mean, they had some talented kids that we knew that. Skinner has been tremendous. I think he has thirteen goals. Eichel has been strong. Jason Palmerville is playing like the Palmerville uh, from a few years ago. Uh, yep. They're getting. They've gotten good goaltending. Uh, started yep. off by Carter Hart, who they signed. Kyle Poso, God bless. He looks like the second line winger that they were hoping that they signed. I guess like three years ago now. He coming back from that horrible head injury. He looks like he's back to being a very good player. And then the depth that they added in the off season between, you know, not that I'm, I'm in love with the Ryan O'Reilly trade, but they did add some uh, depth in that deal, uh, highlighted by Landing Berglund. And, you know, also picking up uh, in a cap salary cap move, adding depth in Connor Sherry. So uh, more depth, more experience. I'm still not sold because I don't know if they're I'm sold on that blue line over the long haul, but they have to, you know, they have to be, it's got to be a nice surprise to see them, you know, with, uh, with 11-6-2 record at this point. Yeah, I, I was tweeting with our old friend Tommy Buffalo, one of the original hosts of the show. Oh yeah, he must be <clears throat> this week. And uh, I, I just after one of the wins, I just tweeted him, "Break up the Sabers." 
Um, <laughs> and he, his, his text back to me was over under on whether they scored more goals than the Buffalo bills will be scoring this weekend. <laughs> and I, I, I said, I had to take the over on that. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and it'll be interesting. We're going to have uh, uh, Dan Harrigan back on the show the middle of December and he's going to break down the whole Atlantic division for us. So we'll be curious to see, you know, uh, where a, a team like Buffalo, you know, to, you know, obviously in Buffalo and, and Montreal are, have been nice surprises. So we'll be interested to see where they stack up at that point. But and Especially Skinner's right been, now. Boston, Boston's in a, in a world of hurt right now defensively. Oh, yeah, with all the injuries. Yeah, so all the injuries yeah no pun intended. So. <laughs> no yeah, pun intended. Yeah, so. Yeah, so that's that's something to to keep an eye out for. They got Rask back. The Halak was has been really good for them. Uh, I was able to hold the fort. So um, yeah, they they they're desperate for blue line help. So they're 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 using a lot of band aids to say the least. Uh, um, and then finally we get to Vancouver. Not that we should be overly impressed with their ten nine and two record, and but again, again to show you how much the Pacific has struggled. Maybe they've played a game or two more than some of the other teams, and that's why they're in second uh, with a 10-9-2 record. But 22 points, uh, you know, this is a team that was, you know, everyone probably figured was a sure, you know, in still in rebuild mode, uh, surefire lottery, you know, team. But, uh, you know, Bo Holbrook is taking the next step in his career. And Elias Peterson, I mean, this kid's going to be a superstar. I mean, that's what's, you know, he's he's gone, he, he's made the jump from being a top prospect in hockey to being, uh, hey, I, I this this we got to put this guy on the list. He could be uh, a future superstar. He missed a few games and is averaging like a point and a half a game. So, um, again, Vancouver just had a long road trip. Uh, and they struggled a bit on it, to say the least. I think it just finished up at the end of the six-gamer. So um, I don't know if they're going to have the staying power. Uh, uh, but if the division plays very mediocre, I mean, I think everyone's going to have a shot uh, at it. But uh, good start by uh, Vancouver, which they've been known to do the last couple of years. So, again, temper enthusiasm there. But uh, if I'm a Canucks fan, I have to be thrilled with the combo of Hovart and Peterson and you know, due to his injury, Brock Besner, you know, it's not like he's lit the world on fire because he's been dealing with a groin situation. So once they get him back fully healthy, um, you know, th- this could be a better team this year than uh, most of us thought. Yeah, I think um, I think Be- obviously Besser and, and Pedersen are both uh, whatever future superstars, whatever whatever term you want hey, to use over. yeah that's good, that's yeah good Bo Horvat they do they they finally and it's been a long time but uh I, there's there's definitely whether they stay the course for the rest of the season and make noise to get towards the playoffs at the end of the year or not um definitely the their their core I guess you would say going forward the if if you could build around those those three guys um and they got those two top defensive prospects at the top of the draft. Uh, oh, God, what's the Swedish kid? Oh, I'm going to butcher his name. Oli Yulvenen, and they had Quinn Hughes from last year. So. Right. So, they, so, so you know, in a year or two, that's going to be – that's going to the defense is going to be shored up. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, it's it's been – I'm sure for Canucks fans, it's been painstaking. And, you know, who knows? Like I said, I think they – 
you know, I, I mean, most people probably would say before the year they'd be a 70-point team. No, maybe they can be an 80 to 85-point team, around a 500 team, if you will, this year. But who knows? Maybe things will come together. And the way the rest of the division is playing, I mean, who knows? Yeah, I'm not going to – I mean, this time last year everybody was saying, well, the Knights are going to fade. They they won't last. So I'm not right. going to sell short on Vancouver. Um, no. All they got to do is focus on – How can you with, as it, a, it, with the rest it, of yeah, the division? Absolutely. All they got to do is focus on playing their division well. And I mean, I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to sell them short. I don't see anything there that's smoke and mirrors. I think they got uh, the the three for sure are are playing great. Um, getting more than you expected this early in Pedersen's career, but um, we knew Besser if he doesn't get hurt last year, he's probably giving. Uh, Giving your boy in in New York a run a run for the rookie of the year, right? That was it was yeah. basically basically those two, two when he race. got hurt, right? So Patterson yeah. come Patterson's got to be the leader right now for rookie of the year. Um, oh yeah. So you build around that. You bring you know your defense core comes along. Um, they they got a good chance to stay in this division for the whole season. Yeah, they still need some pieces and stuff, but it's, you know, these young guys are developing and they're adding more youngsters as they go along. Uh, kudos to ex-Islander Travis Green. Uh, I think he's done a nice job over there. So, um, yeah, no, like I said, I mean, it, it's just it's just so odd. I mean, that, that whole Pacific division, I mean, it's you can't feel good about it. Anyone, no one can feel good at this moment, probably other than Vancouver, and I would say Arizona from the standpoint, not that Arizona – should be doing handstands with what are they? They're either at 500 or game over. But they started out so poorly. I think you know they. It took them a few games to win a game. They couldn't score a goal. So for them to be where they were, and this goes back to the Knights again, uh, after the first week and a half of the season, and to be where they're standing now, uh, I, I would think they would have to be happy. Although I saw this morning they lost Jason Demers for for the rest of the year. So that's. That's that's a hit hit as well. These injuries are just fast and furious. Well, we know that Arizona, like you said, struggled to score, and they've turned it around to the point where they're a plus two in the goal differential. So there you go. go. Um, And holding on, they've got two games in hand on the Knights and two points up on them in the standing. So, yeah, you'd have to say Arizona, too. Um, Compared where they were at this point last season, they got to be very happy with that. Oh. That's for sure. So let's uh, let's throw it to you, Chris, because another team that's been doing really well this year, better than expected, would be your New York Islanders. And so why don't we why don't we talk a little Islanders while we wait for Lyle Richardson to join us? And and who who's leading the way for you guys up in New York? You know, it's been a combination of getting a lot of contributions from their bottom six, believe it or not. It's kind of been their secret weapon. Uh, Filpola and Komarov, even though the analytics community haven't been overly impressed with them, they've been playing really well in the third line, providing secondary scoring, providing uh, penalty kill, providing uh, leadership and playing just basically winning hockey. Uh, What I would say about the Islanders, a really good start. It's not like anyone is playing – unbelievably well or way over their heads. They're just playing smart, winning hockey, more structure, more defense, 
And, you know, the good news is people like Matt Barzell, it's not off to, like, the best of starts. Uh, some of the some of the other youngsters, not that they're off to terrible starts, but uh, there's definitely a lot of room to grow in terms of them taking the next, uh, playing better. So uh, it's been a nice surprise, to say the least. You, th- 22 you think there's a little pressure so on, on Barzell? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. You know, you're learning a new system, new coaching staff, sophomore year, Tavares left, you know, he had, you know, the big year last year. So even if it's Ferris was here, just like a lot of youngsters, you want to prove that last year was no fluke. And then you put that, you know, thing on your shoulders and then Tavares left. So then you're like, oh, i got to be even better now. I have to be, you know. So I think a combination of all those things, uh, uh, it's, it's, only, it's only natural. It's only natural. But Trotz has been, you know, another youngster their team, Anthony, both of you, was probably to a lesser extent doing those same things and, uh, you know, and then he finally broke through. He had a huge night, scored a hat-trick against the Rangers, his first career hat-trick. Uh, you know, he went into the game with one goal and one point, and he got four points on Thursday night. You know, this is a kid who Not scored. Shabby. Uh, yeah, scored over 20 goals last year, and he was probably hoping at least to break the 25 mark this year. And he found himself with one goal to the first uh, uh, 20 games or so. And it's like, what the heck is going on? So, yeah, I mean it's been like I said, uh uh it's been a nice surprise, but you know, they they got to keep their uh their nose to the to the to the grindstone or whatever that is. The ears to the grindstone, whatever it is. So they keep keep it going. Another tough contest all right, all right. tomorrow afternoon. Well, let me uh let me welcome in Lyle Richardson. You can get him on Twitter at Specters Hockey. Uh they cover all the latest news, notes, rumors, trade rumors over there. At Spectres Hockey, Lyle, thanks for coming in and talking some uh, some trade. We're going to set the trade winds blowing today, sir. <laughs> Not a problem. Uh, thanks for having me back on, guys. Uh, no, it's good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you again. Um, well, we had a couple trades this week already. We had the 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 Haglin for Pearson, Spooner for. I'm losing my mind here for a second. Yeah, there you go. Um, but let, let's jump lump, jump right into the deep end. December 1st is right around the corner. There's this kid in uh, Toronto who uh, isn't in camp yet. So what's the latest on, on Nylander? Uh, well, I'm sure you love talking about it. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I, I live for for when I wake up first thing in the morning and I and I check and yeah, here's here's the latest in Nylander. <laughs> oh my! Well, listen, hey, I can't complain. It gives uh, it provides plenty of fodder for uh, for trade rumors, which is of course, part of my stock and trade. So that's you know can't complain. Uh, but anyway, the you know really nothing has changed uh, thus far, other than the fact that uh, you know the, the Leafs' first priority, of course, is is they they want to resign this kid, and it's understandable. Uh, you know they see him as a, a key piece of their of, of you know both their immediate future and their long term plans. Um, but of course, as always, uh, money and, and is the sticking point here. I mean, they're you know they're willing to both sides are willing to do long term, but uh, you know the uh, the Nylander camp wants you know well north of seven mil. Um, so a lot of comparisons have have suggested they're they're looking for something like like, like Leon Drysidle's contract with uh, the Edmonton Oilers, which uh, works out I believe it's about eight point five mil per season is the annual average value. 
Um, the Leafs understandably don't want to go that high. They're they're willing to pay up uh, something in the neighborhood of between six to six and a half mil a season on a long term deal, which, by the way, is still pretty good money for you know a kid who's you know coming out of a, an entry level contract. Um, but of course, uh, on the Nylander side of the house, I mean they're they're trying to look toward their long term future because they're saying you know well look I mean he projects to to be much better than that and he wants to make sure that he that he that he you know gets uh, full value for what he thinks he's going to be worth uh, down the road. So this is still ongoing. Both sides have until December first to get this sorted out. And in the meantime, be as you said, because that December first deadline is getting closer, uh, the Leafs are at least willing to to at least listen to trade offers. I mean, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, here I, I still think that their their intent is to try and get this kid resigned, and I, I think ultimately it's going to probably just come down to a short term bridge deal. I think that's the best solution all the, all the way around. And Lena Ender wants to stay in Toronto. The Leafs want to keep him. They can't really agree on the money right now because, of course, they've got to leave enough cap space to resign uh, Austin Matthews and and Mitch Marner, and either resign or replace Jake Gardner and and, and Ron Hainsey, who are both uh, unrestricted free agents next summer. So. I think it's probably going to be a short-term bridge deal that sorts this out. Probably something somewhere around 4.5 to 5 mil a season on a two-year deal. I think. And then and then go through the same thing again in two years. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, by that point, you're hoping that you've got more more wiggle room. Uh, right, right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to be uh, opening the vault for Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, but uh, and, and you, like I said, you you know, you've either got to resign or replace uh, Gardner and Hainsey on your on your blue line. But uh, yeah, maybe may, maybe that sweet sweet Seattle expansion money will help. You know. There you go. <laughs> so uh, let's look at let's look at the the couple trades that went down this week. Uh, one one for one. Uh, just re- regular kind of hockey deals, kind of below the radar deals, really. Um, w- out of the four players, who do you think is going to impact their their new team the most? <laughs> um, can I say that I don't see any of them really making a significant sure. impact upon their team <laughs> club? Absolutely. Let's be honest here, guys. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest here, guys. The, the, these two trades these one for one swaps which by the way i'm i'm glad to see at least some kind of reasonable hockey actual hockey trade activities instead of okay we'll trade you this player for a bag of pucks um but none of those players are are, are doing very well this season um some of them haven't been playing well for a while and you know when i say that i think obviously of uh Ryan Strom, who's just been a, a huge disappointment ever since, you know, going, you know, from back to the promise of, of his Islanders days. I mean, when he at one point, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, did he not have a 50-point season uh, in his he sophomore did. year, I think? He did. Yeah. Uh, but he's just been a, a major disappointment ever since then. I'd, I'd say out of the four, uh, you know, Strom's been the biggest disappointment. Um, but, you know, Ryan Spooner, I mean, yeah, he had a decent season last year, but I mean, Spooner is what he is. Uh, you know, he, he has these spurts where he plays decently and, and then stretches where he can be almost invisible on the ice. Um, Carl Hagelin is a terrific skater. Uh, he's, he's a, he's a good penalty killer, but you know, apart from that, uh, some brief flashes of offense, especially when he when he was uh, back his first season with the uh, the Penguins when he was part of the HBK line 
for the uh, the Penguins. Uh, he's not really much of a scorer. He's got terrific wheels, but not much of a scorer. And uh, Tanner Pearson is just having a horrible season. Um, here's a kid who is coming off two uh, 40, 40 point uh, seasons, but uh, I think he's only got one assist so far in something like twenty games. So uh, you know, you look at these guys, yeah. and, and you go, yeah, and you go. What you know? What impact really are they going to have? This just seems like uh, the teams that made these deals are just moving players who are underperforming in hopes one of them magically will improve when he gets to his new team. Yeah, the one thing, the the one guy that I think brings a skill set to the club that they're in, a in desperate need of and b in short supply of is Hagelin brings speed to the Kings, and they've they've made the conscious effort this year to try and play a faster faster brand of hockey than what we're used to seeing out of the Kings. And it, the other, the other bright spot in that trade is if you put him with Kopitar and Brown, you can have HBK 2.0. Maybe, <laughs> but again, I mean, look, look in where name he's coming only. from. In yeah. Name I only. mean, look at, look, yeah, I mean, look, look at, look at the team that he's coming from. I mean, they're not exactly chopped liver. Uh, the Penguins, sure, granted they're struggling, you know, uh, early this season. Of course, we've seen this movie before, so I wouldn't necessarily yeah. be too panicked about that. Uh, but, you know, you know, if, if, if he's having difficulties kind of, you know, finding the back of the net with, you know, with that team, with all that star, t- you know, pet talent that he was skating alongside with, uh, you know, is he really going to going to uh, magically at the age of thirty uh, discover his scoring touch uh, in L.A.? I'm I'm not convinced. Plus, let's not forget Rob Blake just made his team older. <laughs> you know, I True. mean, yes, Carl Hag- Carl Hagelin's a fast skater, and yes, he's 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 very good. You know, he's good defensively, uh, but he's thirty, and Tanner Pearson's twenty six. So, you know, if if the whole point, I get the idea that yeah, you want to get faster, but they also need to get younger. This is a league that's trending towards speed and youth. And yeah. okay, you address maybe maybe one part of that equation, but no, I, I uh, yeah. The more I think about that deal, the more I just don't think that's going to work out well for for the Kings. I hope they prove me wrong, but I I don't I don't see it. Well, from from Pittsburgh's perspective, they get a. a, a you know, a guy who has scored 20 goals in the league, 40-point seasons, and since they've been playing him not on the, the that 70s line, if you will, but farther down in, in the bottom six, um, if, if he can get playing time with the skill that, that Pittsburgh has in, in their top six at all or, or suck up some power play minutes out of there, um, you could see Pearson with a little bit of a rebirth maybe in Pittsburgh. Out of the two, out of the two of them, yeah, I, I would say that that yeah that that's you know that that's uh, much more of a possibility I think than than Hagelin being able to to help the Kings, um, you know. But again, you know as well, I mean, you know, Mike Sullivan's a pretty demanding coach. I mean, listen, they they've got a promising kid there named, named you know Daniel Sprong who just he just hasn't been able to get it done. And so now Pearson comes in, and yes, they traded for him and everything like that, but. You know, Mike Sullivan isn't just going to, you know, slap that guy on the top six and just leave him there and just hope everything's going to work out. Right. I, I think you're going to be on a short <laughs> leash. So, yeah, you know, he's For a pretty, sure. pretty demanding coach. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. 
Well, I've said with the Kings, until you have the personnel in place, be who you are. You can't try and play like the Golden Knights when you've been drafting power forwards for 15 years. Um, <laughs> if you're going to if you're going to be in the bottom of the of the standings with players like Jeff Carter and Jonathan Quick and Andre Kopitar and and Dustin Brown and Drew Doughty, and if you have that kind of core on your roster and you're going to be at the bottom of the NHL, just play who you are. Just be who you are. Play your style of game and let the chips fall where they may. Um, that that roster is not going to play golden Knights style hockey and nor, I don't think they should be trying to at this point, but I digress. That's just me. Um, let me bring in Chris and, and we'll get, move on to Columbus and Ottawa and some of the other likely prospects to be moving some big name players. Hey Lyle, good to talk to you again. I just want to double back for a quick second on Nylander and, uh, the problems I see, and you tell me if I'm wrong in terms of making from a leaf perspective, you know, a couple of years ago we had Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson between Columbus and Nashville, and that was a, you know, a great fit for what both sides want Love that to do. Thing. Is Toronto does not have that partner like Columbus and Nashville did, does, at least from what it appears currently. So you're talking about trading Nylander kind of for a two-for-one, some combination of the, to improve their blue line and, let's say, a forward. So then it's finding the right talent, and then in terms of the ages of the players, and then the salary cap, because that's why this this negotiation has gone where it's gone, because, you know, the Leafs aren't trying to be cheapskates, uh, but they're trying to manage their cap, and after signing to, uh, some guy named Tavares over the summer, uh, you know, they, they put themselves in a little bit more of a precarious situation, when they already knew they had to sign Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. So for all those stars to align, it seems very hard for me, and everyone in the league knows that, it seems hard for me to, you know, that's a, not impossible, but a tall task for Kyle Dupas to make it all work. Am, am I wrong in that assumption? No, 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 not at all. And and to your point about uh, you, where you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson trade, I mean, that brings us, uh, you know, to Carolina and why they've been linked to uh, to Nylander uh, for, you know, for as long as they have. And, uh, you know, you, you have uh, Hurricanes GM Dom Waddell recently saying, you know, yes, we're we're interested in, in Nylander. And by the way, for those who are wondering, him, him saying that does not make this tampering because he's a free agent. So you can say, yes, I'm interested in that oh, free agent. You know, you just, you know, but when the guy is under contract and you say, yeah, I'm interested in that guy, well, eh, that's that's kind of tampering. Leave it alone. But anyway, but I digress. But, you know, that the reason why we're hearing, you know, them them being linked to, to Nylander's office errors is, first of all, the Hurricanes need, you know, they, they need more scoring, obviously, and they're loaded with, with uh, you know, some really good defensemen affordable defenseman, I might add. So, you know, if you were going to move Nylander, uh, you're going to get back a defenseman, trying to get back a defenseman either like Justin Falk or, or, or uh, Brett Pesci, who makes, uh, you know, between four and five mil a season, which is, you know, even less than what you're, you were willing to sign Nylander for on a long-term deal. So, you know, if, if you do, if they do move Nylander, I think maybe it could be like a one-for-one in that regard. But for, you know, somebody who's going to provide an immediate impact for the Leafs, uh, carrying an affordable cap hit that isn't going to blow their budget when, you know, as we said earlier, they're, they're looking toward next summer and making two uh, big re-signings with uh, Marner and Matthews. 
Yeah, so let's jump to Columbus, and this is a two-pronged thing. I want to bring in a couple of the teams about this. First, let's start with Bobrovsky before we get to Panarin. And is it – now, unlike Panarin, theoretically speaking, and, they, and Carpo, I don't think it's a coincidence, Carposalo has played a little bit more than we're normally used to seeing. If they feel like we think he can make this work, is it possible that they could trade him well before uh, Probosky, that is, well before February mm-hmm. to a team like St. Louis or Calgary, who I saw you had some things, uh, I believe, written up about them. It was, it was either today or yesterday in the goalie market. Is that a possibility? Oh, I mean, of course, of course. It, you know, if, if Corpus Allo proves that he can handle the workload, uh, and you know if he can play Bobrovsky, which he was in October, um, then yeah, they might be very well comfortable going. Okay, yeah, you know when they get toward uh, February or even maybe January, saying you know yeah we're we're still in the playoff chase, we're doing well with this guy, you know Bobrovsky's asking, still asking for crazy stupid money, so yeah, let's move him and and try and get a decent return rather than lose him for nothing because we don't need him to make the playoffs, and I think that would be key. If you know, if they come to the reality that you know what we can make the playoffs without this guy, then sure they're going to trade him. But that being said, there's there's some things in there that uh, to keep an eye on. I mean, first of all, Bobrovsky's play has improved significantly uh, this month, um, so I don't think they're going to be in too much of a hurry right there uh, to move him. And and second of all, he's got that that no movement clause. So, I mean, uh, when teams like uh, that are having some goalie trouble like Calgary come up, well, <laughs> that's not a given that you'll be able to get him <laughs> because he's going to want to leave. Or, well, if he's going to leave uh, Columbus, he's got to, you know, give approval where he wants to go. And I really don't think, you know, sorry, Calgary, but I don't think that he's on, uh, that you guys are on his wish list, you know. Uh, so it, right now it's it's a situation I think that, uh, you know, the Blue Jackets are willing to be patient for now and see how things pan out. I I, I would be very surprised if they were to trade Bobrovsky uh, before the let's say the holiday trade freeze. I you know if, if that as I said that kind of a move if they decide to make it, that seems to be more along the line of something you you you'd try for in, in mid January when you get about a four to six weeks out from the trade deadline because this is a you know this is a, a significant uh, player we're talking about here. He's the only active. A multiple Vezina Trophy winner in the NHL right now. So, you know, he then he looks like he's rounding back into form after a rough start to this season. Um, if you're going to move an asset like that, you've got to be very careful to make sure that you're going to try to get the best return possible. And let's face it, if you're going to try and trade him, uh, some of the teams are going to want him. They're not going to want to give up, you know, a, a really solid asset in return. They're going to throw picks and prospects and things like that at you. Um, so there's there's a lot of things going on there with Bobrovsky that it, it's going to be very tough to to try and move him um, at any point in this season. I would say, especially if if they if they feel they still need him to make the playoffs. If 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 he keeps playing well and gets starts getting the bulk of the starts again, uh, I don't think he goes anywhere. I think they'll hang on to him and take their chances with him in free agency because he'll be too important to their playoff hopes. I got two more for you, Lyle. I'm going to leave. Ottawa with uh, Mark for uh, to finish up with you. Uh, my first one of the two is staying with Columbus on Panarin, and not to sound like a scorn lover, but that that Tavares guy uh, last year the Islanders wound up losing him for nothing. And in the case of Panarin, 
I think very respectfully, he's kind of told them, you know, uh, he's told them without saying, uh, being rude about it in terms of he would like to play elsewhere after after this year. Now, I get it. It's very hard to make a hockey trade, which is probably what they want to do, with a guy as even as talented as he is who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year and might do the whole dipsy doodle that Tavares did, uh, you know, uh, last year in, in free agency and sitting down with a bunch of teams. But having said that, I mean, are they going to just wait to February and they're going to be in the mix of things and they're like, look, we can't have a guy like this but we can get a really nice package, walk out the door for nothing. Because at the end of the day, let's, we have a really good team. But are we really in the class of, let's even say, like a Tampa Bay or something like that? Are they going to just, you know, roll the, uh, roll the dice and hope for a magical run? And I mean, to me, they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. Oh, absolutely. And and again, I mean, I think that's that's why you're not seeing Kekalainen and uh, rushing here to make any any big big decisions right now. I think he wants to see how this is all going to play out. Uh, because you also don't want to send the wrong message to your fan base, too, though at the same time, uh, like you said, really, they are damned if they do, damned if they don't. If you trade him now uh, to try and get the best return possible, uh, then it just looks like, okay, you know, we, we just, you know, we're not a good enough market to convince, you know, a star player to stay here. You know, I mean, you know, they ran into that with with Rick Nash years ago. Now they're encountering it with with Panarin, and by the looks of things, it could be Bobrovsky. So, you know, it it doesn't really send a really good message to your fan base. But on the other hand, I mean, if if you're battling for the playoffs, do you really want to kneecap that opportunity? Uh, because of course, as we all know, when you reach the playoffs, anything can happen. Uh, do you really want to, to hamstring your, your opportunity to make the playoffs by trading two of your very best players, especially if they're crucial to your playoff hopes? Um, it's, it's a tough situation for them to be in. And, uh, you know, especially with, with two, I think, listen, I think of the two, I think Bobrovsky is willing to stay, but he wants just, you know, he wants carry price money, which is crazy even of, of itself. Um, so, you know, I really don't envy Kekalainen in, in, in how he's gonna gonna deal with this. I, I think of the two. If, if it comes right down to it, he tries to move Panarin and maybe hangs on to, to Bobrovsky for a while and see if he can't talk him down to a lower salary. But as I said, it'll be interesting to see how they sort that out. All right. So my last one before I hand you over to Mark is Seattle and the CBA connected. And this is, you know, everyone's talking about the big December. I think it's December third vote. And to me, you know, uh, this is a shoe-in. What I'm interested in is not when they announce that Seattle's going to be the 32nd team in the NHL. I'm interested in the announcement of Seattle will be joining the league October 2020 or October 2021. Because as we all know, or maybe uh, uh, you know, the, the players next September have a vote which they could uh, and the CBA earlier, which they will, which means mm-hmm. next year will be the last year uh, in terms of the games played under the CBA. So if the league comes out, Seattle's in, and they're going to join us in October 2021. Well, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm already at a 12, Lyle, of being worried about this next CBA. If they mm-hmm. were to say, because there's no reason why Seattle can't be ready October 2020. 
And for, for everyone to do out there for the math, the, the, the players, if they vote next September, the deal will end September 15, 2020. And if the the owners vote Seattle in for the 2020-21 season, they just gave a gigantic bargaining chip to the players because there's no way you could have a new franchise coming in and have a lockout. So huh. do I have I connected those dots well? And how worried worried should we be about <laughs> the next CBA? Yeah, well, I mean, first well, first of all, I mean, you're right. The uh, Seattle's a shoe in. I mean, uh, the, the vote it, it's going to happen. We all know it's going to happen. The, the big question is now, you know, is it going to be October 2020, October 2021? That's going to come down to when their arena is going to be ready. You know, um, if Seattle says, "Hey, you know, we're we're on track. We could we can go October 2020." Well, then it could happen then. But I really think that. The league might prefer if it was 2021 mm. because, yeah, because then that 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 would happen a full year after after you know any potential lockout. Um, mm. But uh, I, I I also think that you know there was an interesting interesting report that came uh, from uh, out of Hockey Night in Canada last weekend where they were kind of offering a little ray of hope here that in January the league is going to need to know from the NHLPA if they're going if they're going to be, you know if they're going to be able to stage another world cup of hockey which would be in september 2020 uh which of oh. course would be some, yeah that would be smack dab in the middle of of when the players would be or, or when there would be a a lockout if 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 either the league because the league next september 1st can can vote to take the early out but they're not going to they're happy with it no. so the only yep. ones that i think would do it i agree with you guys would be the players and that would be september 15th uh, would be their crack at it, but it's if, if the league and the NHLPA in January agree to stage a next World Cup of Hockey in September 2020, there won't be a lockout. That that will okay. tell me that there will not be a lockout. That would tell me that either the players are either not going to vote for the early out and we'll just let this thing ride out to, to 2022, which is when the, the CBA is scheduled to end, or they may be in negotiations to perhaps come next September, make a formal announcement and say, here's basically a new deal. You know, but that's the that's the thing to watch for. Now, if, if the league comes back and they go, oh, we've talked with the PA and – we're not going to be able to stage uh, a World Cup of Hockey in September 2020. Well, then, yeah, it might be time to worry. But uh, yeah, that that would be the thing I would keep an eye out on is is what the decision is, what that decision is going to be come uh, come January. Now, just to finish up uh, before giving you more, Seattle's ownership has says we'll be ready October 2020. The NHL's like, all right, we'll, we'll kind of wait and see. But they've been pretty adamant. They now again, the league could go to them and say, look. You're now one of us. You're a partner. We need you to wait a year due to the certain set of circumstances. So I get it. But I'm sure they know what's going on. Uh, but they really, Seattle, that is, really want to start uh, 2020. And they say the building's not going to be, that's at least what they say. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know how all those pieces fit in the puzzle. But uh, I. Well, I, I will mean, agree with I will agree with you that, yeah, if, if Seattle says, yeah, we're good to go October 2020, then you're right. That that hands the NHLPA a, a huge chunk of leverage. 
you know, because as you said, they, the last thing the league wants is here's our new team ready to go. Oh, geez, here's a lockout. Yeah, no, they they really yeah, don't that want can't to happen. That. that literally can't no. happen if you're the league. Yeah, so no that's way. what I mean about the leverage. Yeah, the, the, the and and the thing is with the CBA guys, the one issue there is one issue that is most important to the players, and the league can remedy this if they want, and that's at the escrow clawbacks. If the, you're never going to get rid of escrow, and I think the players understand that, but if if the league says, okay, look, we will give you a lower rate, we will work some things out here with the hockey related revenue and and this and that, but if we give you a lower rate so that we can at least guarantee that your your escrow clawbacks are not going to go over ten percent maybe then the players will say, okay, we're good here. Because there is, like, the players are not as militant as they as they once were years ago. It's just the one thing that sticks in their craw is, is escrow. I mean, yes, they'd like Olympic participation too, but the Olympics is not the hill they're going to die on. It's escrow. Right. And, and yeah, and that, that's for me, is the big sticking point. If they work that out, there will not be a lockout. But that means, that, Lyle, but that means a lower cap ceiling, though, doesn't it? You can't have both, right? Yes. I mean, yes, it would. So Yes, it would, okay. and I think that's something that the players have to understand. Now, they can maybe try and do a little bit of, little bit of math there somehow to try and make it so that the cap ceiling is, is yeah, okay, it'll be a lower than expected but not too bad um, because this, is, this also has the, the, the possibility to, to pit player against player because you'd have players go, well, wait a minute, I'm going to be an unrestricted free agent here in the next few years. This lower ceiling means it's going to be harder for me to get extra money. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how they work that out. But escrow is the big sticking point there. All right, we're talking with Lyle Richardson from Spectres Hockey on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. And you mentioned it briefly, um, and, I, and I was going to ask you the follow-up question about the Olympics. Is that – can that be a bargaining chip um, to I, – I think that the league would prefer the World Cup of Hockey more than the players, and I think the players would prefer the Olympics more than the World Cup of Hockey. Is there is there a, a middle ground where they could they could use that as the chip, say, okay, we'll give you the World Cup if you give us the Olympics next time around? Yeah. <laughs> um... I, I really don't think that that's something that the league is, is really that interested in. Um, I th- I, the only way I could see continued Olympic participation is basically um, if if the players are willing to just sign off on, on another seven years of a CBA currently the way it is with hardly any changes. Because if you, if you guys will remember, um, I think it was two years ago, um, when they were jockeying back and forth about maybe about participating in the the previous Winter Olympics in in South Korea, um, Batman in the league said, you know, hey, look, you know, if you guys will sign off on this extension of the CBA, you know, sure, we'll go to the Olympics. And the PA said, no, we're not interested in that, and that pretty much killed it. So I really don't think that the the league is interested in going back in the Olympics because it, it doesn't make money for them. It really doesn't make money for them. Most of the revenue from that goes, you know, it's the IOC that, that, that reaps the right. benefits of that. And, and that, you know, the Olympics didn't turn out to be the big selling point that the, the NHL thought it was going to be for them. So that's why the owners don't want any part of it anymore. And honestly, I, I don't think that that's a hill that, that the players are going to want to die on. I don't think that that, at the end of the day, that that's going to be uh, the issue that's going to, that's going to uh, bring about another lockout. You know, I, I think the Olympic participation is done. 
And I think that the league is just basically going to try and, and, and try and get the players convinced that, you know, look, we want to stage international tournaments for you guys. Look, we'll even stage, you know, like gold medal games in, in Europe if you want. But, you know, uh, at the end of the day, take the World Cup or take nothing because we're not going to do the Olympics anymore. I, I really don't think that that's, that's something that uh, the NHL is interested in doing it ever again. I think they're done. I think they're done with it. Wow, I think that kind of sucks, but <laughs> I guess it is what it is when it comes down to that much money we're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. be- before we let you go, one more thing. Um, we're mm-hmm. going to go into the who could have possibly seen this going wrong and uh, the Matthew Shane deal. <laughs> it, 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 is, is, there any, is there any way that they can, can at least salvage something? And then, and then Mark Stone, too, 26 Stone, years old, yeah. big, big, fantastic player um if if you if you're ottawa and you end up trading eric carlson matt duchene and mark stone in the same season and you're not contending for a stanley cup in three years from the pieces you should be able to get back out of those three players which i think they undersold eric carlson on myself but um, actually they came out of that that deal pretty good if you look at the guys that the senators got they came up yeah yeah i i don't think i don't think that the uh, the sense did that badly Hmm. In that that, deal. I mean, sorry, go ahead. You got some, sir. Well, I I guess I'm just looking at it. Time will tell. It depends what you do with the picks and the prospects they got, the former first round. But I understand why, Wolfie, why Lyle just made that statement, and I understand, Mark, why you have reservations. But having said that, Carlson really hasn't played well yet either. That's correct. He has not been a fit in San Jose. I guess I'm looking at it more of the the roster players that they got back um, as opposed to what those picks and assets might be. Chris Tierney's played well for them. Dylan DeMilo's played well for them so far. I mean, yeah, they're not going to be superstars like Eric Carlson. They never will be. But they've been uh, been two very – They've, they've had an immediate positive impact with the Senators. They're part of the reason why Ottawa is still hanging around there, uh, you know, in the Eastern Conference uh, for their wild card berth. So I don't think they did that badly in the return that they got. And, and then Thomas Shabbat's also helping quite a bit fill oh, that Eric Carlson yeah. hole yeah. for yeah. sure. Now, mind you, that? I'm expecting him to cool <laughs> off any day now here. So he, he, he's doing well. The pace he's on right now is unsustainable. But yeah, so 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 Lyle, so, so, is, is, so is William Carlson's shooting percentage. <laughs> <laughs> so, so so Lyle, what is Ottawa's plan with Duchene and Stone? Right. Well, obviously, obviously they did. Obviously, they want to resign them. Um, of the two, I think that uh, Mark Stone they stand the, the best chance there. He's he's the one who's been the most open about wanting to stay. I mean, you know, he, he you know, well, yeah. I mean, and he made he made the comments. He's you know, when people were after he signed that one year deal, and you started hearing some of the gloom and doom, you know, coming out of the Ottawa media, he was very quick to say, you know, hey, 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 now, you know, this this doesn't mean that I'm one and done here. You know, he said we can talk again in January. I mean, he sounds quite open uh, to staying uh, in Ottawa. And that's understandable. I mean, they they drafted him, they developed him. He's you know, it's the only team he's ever known. I mean, you know, I mean, he he wants to make this work. Um, and you know, to Matt Duchesne's credit, he he also wants to make things work. Now things have been kind of quieter uh, there. He hasn't been very public saying yes, I absolutely want to stay. But he's not. You know, he hasn't been humming and hawing or or giving off. He certainly hasn't been giving off the uh, the Panarin vibe. You know, he hasn't been right. doing a, a Panarin or Tavares going. Well, you never know. Well, you know, he said, you know, so.
so you know I really do think that you know they they really want to get get both these guys signed, but uh, a lot of it's uh, things things the culture there has to settle down though. My lord, the past year yes. just one drama after another. Uh, you know they they really can't take much more you know as a team because if if more of this stuff starts happening and and especially if the second half of the season if if they end up collapsing like they did last year then you're going to have a really hard time keeping both those guys uh in the fold you know it's going to be really really tough to resign them both no more ubers in ottawa no <laughs> Which, which, by the way, though, I give it up to uh, to the Senators. They kind of, as a team, use that as a rallying point. They've 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 yeah. played a lot better since that incident was revealed. So yeah, and, 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 and they uh, don't yeah. they don't have their first round pick in 2019, which is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, gonna that, be that, that was that was yeah the price that they paid yeah the, mm, uh, mm, that's horrible. Mm. <laughs> oh. it, that's the oh, what boy. could possibly go wrong here category. My goodness. <laughs> but let, but to be fair to Pierre Dorian, though, by and large, she hasn't done all that badly. I mean, I, I know he got raked over the coals for the for the Carlson thing, but as I said, the return he got, the immediate impact that those two players have made already, as you know, they've it's already kind of you know limited kind of the I don't want to call it damage, but at least it's it's kind of helped. Uh, improve the morale of Senators fans a bit. Going, you know, basically instead of saying those two guys suck, they're going, oh, they don't suck so bad. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's helped a bit there. Uh, and and let's be honest too. I mean, he's having to deal with with you know the Harold Ballard for the 21st century and in in uh, you know their own cantankerous owner there, Eugene Melnick, who just right. God Almighty! Well, we, I mean, listen, Melnick's fingerprints were all over the Carlson trade. You know that was that was obvious. You know, um, I don't think that was a move Dorian wanted to make right away, but he kind of got forced into it. So he got the best return that he could, and it actually turned out halfway decent for them. So, uh, but yeah. Hey, yeah, if Josh, if Josh Norris becomes a player, and they get can find a couple players with those number, of, I think they got three pretty good draft picks in that deal. Then mm-hmm. yeah, they'll do okay. Yeah. Well, all right, Lyle, we're going to let you go. Thank you once again for coming in, taking so much time to talk hockey with us. We always appreciate having you on the show, sir. Oh, it's always my pleasure, guys. Uh, like I said, be happy to do this again sometime. Uh, we'll, we'll be Thanks, looking for you sometime in the middle of January for sure. Okay, sounds good, guys. Take care. Take care, Lyle. All right, Lyle Richardson from Spectres Hockey. Whoa. Follow him on Twitter at Spectres Hockey. I'm, there's about forty thousand of you that already do, but jump, go ahead and jump on him. He's up to date on on uh, pretty much all the news and trade rumblings from around the league, as you can tell from our conversation. We were throwing some uh, out of left field questions at him, and he was uh, right there on the ball with it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts with trades and. Uh, this whole CPA thing, and then and then how that how the Seattle thing can, plays into it, and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, a lot of tarot cards to flip over and uh, read uh, what they mean over the next uh, over the next few months between now and then February. I'll tell you what, I don't like his take that we're done with the Olympics. Yeah, you know, in, unless unless that's it's my, like uh, the that's the my year first love of you, hockey, sir. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know, but, 1980. But it wasn't any uh, players. Keep in mind. No, no, that's, that's true. But uh, for 
for for the way the way the Olympics is now with every sport being professional athletes, um, you, you're taking that opportunity from kids who may, overseas, especially who may never get to see the world's greatest players. Um, well, and, here's the and, thing on the Olympics, uh, yeah. from my standpoint, if you told the NHL the Olympics is going to be in Utah like it was not too long ago, or in Vancouver. Like well, that's what I was going to say, too, yeah. Ago, they're all, I North think American. they're all in. Because then yeah. they're marketing their game. The games are live at reasonable times, you know, at normal times, and people can watch them. Now, nothing against People in markets you already Russia. have. Them. People in markets you that? already have. Well, that's you, you're saying no, people I'm, can watch the games in a market that they already have. It's It's, it's – you know, the time difference that having players play in Korea would have been 2 o'clock in the morning in North America. Well, now it's vice versa. The team, the, the markets you're trying to expand right. into can't watch I guess that's the other side. Yeah, that's a good point. You know what I'm saying? But we, I, get to see them, we get to see them nine months out of the year. It's it's the rest of the world that, that you're you're stealing from, basically. Yeah. I, I Yeah, but I can understand. Maybe, you know, the, the league has been in the Olympics a few times now. And yep. maybe they haven't gotten the bounce uh, to for all the you know for all the negatives. When I say negatives, I mean the threat of players getting hurt, stopping the season. The season has to go longer. So there are, there are some negatives about them participating in the the league. So you have to balance sure. that off the balance that you get. And obviously, they feel like excuse me, they're not getting a big enough bounce. Is what it comes down to. No, not even close. I'll, to I'll it. tell you what, if NBC. Uh, their partner that also airs the Olympics came came yep. to the league and said, we have our deal with the IOC, broadcasting rights, whatever. We're going to cut you a deal, find a dollar amount that would make the owners happy. Um, it's got to be based on, on some sort of three weeks of NHL revenue, X amount of home games, blah, blah, blah. Come up with a number that could be dispersed through the owners throughout the league. They They would – go play uh, hockey on the moon. It's all about money. Well, that's what I mean about bounce. Like in terms yeah, of you're bouncing bounce could their, be either money, money or growing blood. the game or, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we kind of went along with Lyle. So do we, do we want to do a quick OT or do we want to save that OT for another time? Um, yeah, we did a lot of trade talk today. We, we, uh, well, we we're going to go off, off the rails on, uh, on, uh, a yeah, fantasy, we'll save that for a the fantasy next trade. Yeah, but we'll we'll get well, into it. I I, I think there's so pros bad, and cons we'll to, for it. We'll, yeah, yeah, we'll get into that uh, in December. We'll save that as a little tease without knowing knowing what the hell we're talking about. But uh, you know, so we'll you know, uh, w- one thing I did look into, and I couldn't. I went on the TSN trade tracker back uh, uh, uh-huh. quite a bit. I didn't see any players that were. Conn Smythe Trophy, three-time Stanley Cup champion, 100-point player being traded. I couldn't uh, find You'd him. have to go back to, like, a guy like Messier, right? It's, it's a few, yeah, you know, we're, not too many. Wait, 20 years, a, a long time. And, and yeah, and mostly, to, I have to go back and look. But yeah, mostly yeah, at the end right. of their not, careers, not in their prime. He was still in his prime, though, at the time of that trade. Which Messier. trade? To New York? Correct. Yes, okay. Yeah, He's still in his sure. prime. 
Yeah, but sure. I, your points well taken. Your points well taken. So, I, so the, at point, that point, then what price would we be talking about for this mythical unnamed well, player think, that you may be way, able everyone, to guess from? <laughs> by, the, by the way, everyone, we're talking about the Blackhawks and Patrick Kane, and we'll shove it for another another day. The only reason I think it, it should be something that the Hawks should discuss is because they have put the they are in the situation that they are in. I'm not saying that that's not, that's something that would be my choice for them to do. But given where the situation that they're in, in terms of the salary cap, the talent and depth on the roster, as well as in the pipeline, although the pipeline is a little bit better in, in researching it this week than I thought, it's very heavy on defense and it's still a couple years away. But and the division that they're in and where everyone else is at, I just, I just, I think, I think all options have to be on the table. So we'll, we'll get into it more so in one of our. OT segments in December, maybe our first show back. We're off next week for Thanksgiving. We'll be back yes. on Saturday, December 1st. We're going, who are we having on? We're having on two guests, actually. We're going to have Derek Helling on, um, who we've had on before. It's kind of the business side of things. There was a right. discussion, lawsuit settlement, and also to pick his brain about the CBA. So we're going to have him on for a hard 15-minute segment. And then we're going to have Rob Sawyer back on of the hockey writers who knows the oil is inside and out. And we'll, we'll talk a little oilers and his thoughts on the Pacific. And then on December 8th, right after the Seattle vote, we're going to have on somebody from the Seattle Sinbin. And then on the 15th, as I mentioned before, we're going to have Dan Harrigan on uh, to talk about the Atlantic division, which has been playing very well so far, break it all down for us. And then we'll take our Christmas new year's break at that point. So that's, so we're off next week, and then we got three shows, and and then that will be it for the first half of this year. Which Believe is, it or we not, just start the, didn't, <laughs> didn't we do like twelve minutes ago, like the first preview show? Or the yeah, preview show this year. Hey, did we confirm with Seattle Sinbin? That's a go. Yes. Yes. Sweet. Yes, we did. Those are good guys. They we had did. us on. They had us on early in our show uh, t- talking about because yeah. we obviously Vegas and Seattle were supposed to go in together if the plans had been uh, different at the time they they both would have been in the league already um, so it's, it'll be good to get them back on our show and talk about what's going on in Seattle up there yeah and they're gonna want I mean not just the owners but also the potential fan base they're gonna want to jump in just like Vegas did right they're gonna yeah. want to wait to 2021 they're gonna be like wait a minute. Come on now. I mean, ooh, 2021. We want, well, Vegas, we want in 2020. Yeah. Vegas you know, was and, supposed to and, go and, in uh, on 2016 and had to wait the extra year. It sucked. Yeah. Yeah, but it didn't like, yeah, I guess. But they didn't well, have to that, wait once the vote got in. They didn't yeah. have to they No, no, wait no. They waited a, a year. Um, was the original ticket drive was if they don't start play in 2016, you will get a refund on your deposit. The 2016 date was, was always part of the original deal between the team and the fan base, at least. Um, and, and it was projected to go in 2016 and then Seattle had their, their stadium deal fall through. So they didn't get to start their stadium on time, which pushed us back a year. And the decision for Vegas to go in alone was reached in June. And then the rest was history, but the 2016 date was actually firm at one point. So I I, I know Seattle doesn't want to wait. Right, when Vegas got the yay vote in, and that was June of, oh boy, June of 2017, right? No, June of 2016. 16. Right? 
Yeah. Yep. 16th. Okay. All right. All these years. So June of 2016. Within the next 365 days, they had the, they, they had the expansion draft, and then they were yes. in the following season. They only had to wait one season to get for Seattle to get the yay vote in December of 2018 and then drop the puck October 2021. That's ridiculous. Boy, oh boy. I, I, it's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah. They got to get <laughs> totally some overtime. Ridiculous. They got to get our union brothers up in uh, Washington, some overtime for that, that arena. No, remodel. that's not going to be the issue. It's going to be, I'm telling you, it's gonna. There's no doubt in my mind. They want that money now, while it's in the current CBA. They don't want it to linger for obvious reasons, 650 million reasons. But even yeah. besides that, they can't. They cannot. If I was an owner, I would raise my hand and say, "Excuse me, you cannot give. You're all idiots. The, the, a, <laughs> a hammer. We cannot give a hammer to the players." Saying, oh, by the way, we have a brand new team coming October 2020. We have to hammer out a new deal. We're going to put ourselves in a vice if we do that. So I don't know how they do it. I really don't know how. And and, and you can't lock out end. a new market. You can't lock out a new market. Right, right, exactly. And, and you're so they uh, uh, two new that. markets, two new markets because count Vegas in that. Right. If you lock out everyone, Vegas, you everyone, have a chance to damage damage what's been done here. I'll tell you right now. If you do a labor stoppage af, after the what the game's been able to grow here in Las Vegas, and then you turn around in two years and lock them out, um, you could damage the product here irre, irrecoverably. Well, here's the thing. There's no reason for both sides. Player salaries are higher than ever, and also revenues for owners – higher than ever. They're almost at $5 billion a year now. And I'm not trying to, you know, you know, blame either side here. But at the end of the day, get in a room, order in, Figure it out. and get it, done, get it done. Because you know what? You have a lot, everyone has a lot more to lose than, than gain with a, with a stoppage. So, it, you know, everything's going great. I mean, Bettman just had a news conference, I think, recently talking about how everything's going great for the league, and it is. But get it, you know, I'm sorry, both from Batman and both from the players, you got to figure it out. I'm not saying these are easy issues to figure out. A stoppage should not be something that either side wants, uh, you know, unless it's at gunpoint. I mean, you know. Yeah, that's they're, – they're all idiots if they, if, if they can't figure Bingo. it out this time. There's too much – Look, you had $1.15 billion come in just in expansion fees. And in, in fast-forwarding to 2020, in the last three years, you will have had $1.15 billion in expansion fees alone in revenue. That's free money. Um, figure it out. Yeah, and in fairness, too, you know, the, play, the owners said, um, and I'm not trying to be pro-owner here, but before the last CBA, they said, look, we need to have a salary cap, hard cap system. We want you to partner with us. And if you look at how much the game has grown and new markets and all that stuff and cost certainty, but at the same token, it's not just the owners that have benefited. Just go look at the NHL, the NHL salaries for players. Guys who are making one and a half are making three million. Guys who are making three and a half are making five. The top salaries used to be between seven and eight, and now it's at you know, 11 and 11 and 12 and a half and, and even talk about it even getting higher. 
for future players. So everyone's won on this deal. Does there need to be some tweaks with the escrow? Absolutely, because what's happening with that with the players is sinful. You get 15% of your pay cut, and then, you know, based on because it's projected revenue, and then you get 2 or 3 or 4% back. I wouldn't be a happy camper under that scenario either. So you've got to figure out what works best for everybody in, in that case. So figure it out. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Well, all right, that'll do it for this week. We've uh, we talked about what's on tap uh, through the holidays. We're going to take Thanksgiving off. So happy American Thanksgiving to all our listeners. We uh, definitely appreciate you guys. The numbers are growing every week, and it's great to have great to have everybody on board going through the the trip with us. Um, so uh, enjoy your your American Thanksgivings, everybody, and we will. see See you two weeks from today, I would guess. Uh, And that'll do it for this week. For Chris on Mark, we're gone. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.